You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. So, I don't know if you know this. How many know that I wasn't supposed to preach tonight? Right? So, a few of you who pay attention. Those who pay attention to our um, our video announcements that Danielle does such a great job putting out know that I was not supposed Yes, let's get it for Danielle. She's the, a rock star this year. So, I was not supposed to speak. We are supposed to have a guest speaker here, and um, uh, he's not here, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, he actually, he got the Rona and uh, wasn't able to join us. He's from another state, out of state, and uh, was unable to join us. Um, so you're stuck with me again. So sorry to disappoint you, but 2020, am I right? Like, this is just, like, the, if, if it hasn't been a letdown, you know, I'm sorry you have to just deal with me. Um, and I know if you were expecting more, again, so was I. <laughs> so was I. Um, our expectations often determine our level of satisfaction. We know that, right? Like what you expect totally affects what you receive and how you receive it. Um, so today is a day of mixed emotions for a lot of people. And I, I'm not going – like well, there are people in this room right now and that would join the little more than half of our country – who feel like today is a day of celebrating the 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 newly declared uh, president uh, to come, Joe Biden, has it's seemingly been elected. Uh, it's hard to tell in our country what's actually happening, but it seems like, it looks like, I think he's going to be president. And so about more than half our country is very, very happy about that. And a little less than half are not. <laughs> yes, we can agree that's true. Okay, so thank you for not cheering and thank you for not booing for those of you who are of those, because we're supposed to sound different. Right? We sound different here. Um, Weville. We've been doing a series called Weville. Some of you see the, uh, the shirt. Shane's got the shirt on, wearing it proudly. There you go. Um, there it is. And we've got shirts for you. If you didn't get a shirt, we've been handing them out throughout the series, you get a free T-shirt. It says Weville. On the way out, you can grab one. It just lets you know that, listen, I'm not picking sides. We're all on the same team. And I want to live somewhere different. I want to live in Weville, not Meville and Youville. Right? But it's, it's us together. We've been addressing how we should handle ourselves as people who have, who have faith. Like, how are we supposed to be any different than everybody else out there? Like, we should, we should look different. We should sound different. And so we said, you know, first week, what really matters, right? What really matters is that our lives give glory to God, right? And so we said, what does that really mean, right? Glory is light. And we said, imagine someone in a dark room who has been abused and vulnerable sitting there and then... The door opens, and it's somebody saying, hey, I'm here to rescue you. And this flood of light, they're in a dark place, they can't see anything, and this light comes in. It's like, oh, my rescuer is here. That's what it's like when we shine with glory. It means that we help people who are suffering just by the way we live. They see something different, and we can introduce them to what we know is the Savior, to Jesus who has come to give peace and hope and life and grace and mercy and forgiveness and love and all those good things. We get to introduce them to that. So that's what it means to shine. So what really matters is bringing glory to God. Week two, we said that we're citizens of heaven, right? That we're not from here. I know we're Jersey people. Some of you are not Jersey people. Where's uh, we, everybody? Who, who is not born in Jersey? All right, we got, we, got, oh, we got hands all over the place. Okay, so how many of you would not say you're from Jersey. You live here, but you're not from here. Okay, we got, we got some of you. All right, so that's, that's all right. And guess what? Everybody in Jersey knows it. They know you're not from here. Something sounds different. You, you talk different. You think different. And that's okay. It's just what makes, hey, it's all beautiful. We're all different. But guess what? At the end of the day, we're not from Jersey. And we're not from 
Nebraska, Texas, Tennessee, India, Mexico. We're not from anywhere like that. We're, we're citizens of heaven, and we should sound like it, and we should talk like it, and we should act like it. And, and then that means our attitude should be like Jesus. And it says Jesus laid down his privilege. He laid down his privilege and considered the needs of others over his own. That's the attitude of Christ. He, he humbled himself, considering himself nothing. He took on, right? He says we're to take on the attitude of Christ. We should live where it's not about us personally. I lay down whatever privilege I have because I'm always considerate of other people. Right? That's what happens when you live in Weeville. And that when we do that, we'll shine because that's different, right? We'll shine like bright lights because the world, everybody's always about them. They're always about themselves, all that kind of stuff. And when you don't, we said no complaining and no arguing for a week. Remember the challenge? Don't complain, don't argue for a week. Anybody who successfully do that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, It's really hard to do. Did anybody throw it in your family's face? As soon as they started to complain, you were like, no complaining. That's okay. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. It happened in our house. It happened all over. The, I'm telling you, we're like, uh, that sounds like complaining. Uh, that sounds like arguing. Uh, that sounds like complaint. That sounds like, like we're supposed to sound different. And then we, we talked last uh, last time online because it wasn't in person. Um, but that uh, whatever happens, whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. That no matter what happens, we can have joy that that. Right, that transcends our circumstances because we know, we know what, what, what our hope is in. Right? Our hope is not in this world. Like that was one of my, my favorite songs, it was called A Beautiful Letdown. Again, I've, I've referenced them often. If you haven't figured out, I like the band Switchfoot. If you, haven't, you should go check out Switchfoot. They're a cool surf band from like California, San Diego, in case anybody cares. But they have a song called The Beautiful Letdown. It says, It was a beautiful letdown the day I knew. All the riches this world had to offer me were never due. Like, it, like this is in a world full of bitter pain and, and pride, all this stuff. I was trying so hard to fit in till I found out I don't belong here. Right? And that's Weville in a nutshell. That's all this. And today we're going to share one more quality because I wasn't going to preach this because I wasn't supposed to preach today. But you got one more. So there's one. Fortunately, there's one more chapter in Philippians. And so if you want to turn to Philippians chapter four for all of you who brought Bibles Anybody? No? Okay, it'll be on the screen as well. Um, so if you want to take out your phone, you can do that. If you have the Bible app, you can use it. It's free, great app. We've been examining Philippians. Again, this was the Apostle Paul writing to a church in Philippi. Um, it's a Roman colony, mostly military. Remember, Paul now had been in trouble. He was in jail for preaching about Jesus, and so they tried to throw him in jail. And this church in Philippi helped him out. They sent him money and support and tried to encourage him while he's in prison, awaiting to hear you know, if he's going to cost him his life or not because he was going against the law by preaching about Jesus. And so he sends them this letter to say thank you and just to encourage him. And that was it. Just say thanks so much for all of your care for me. And we're going to pick it up in uh, chapter 4, verse 10. Again, it'll be on the screen so you can read along. But chapter 4, verse 10, it's what we read. He says this. He says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. He says that he's addressing a certain times. You didn't have the chance. And he says, not that I was ever in need. For I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. Next verse. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Let's just pause right there. Go back for a second. I just go. go. He says, can you hear that? Do you hear the tone? He says, I have learned the secret. Right? Like, that's how I hear Paul saying this. Like, like, it's a little bit cocky. It's a little bit arrogant. A little proud of himself. 
Right? I have learned the secret of living in every situation. And he continues. And he says this, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. And then he continues. He says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Anybody heard that verse before? Right? That's probably one of the most misused misconstrued scripture verses in the entire Bible. Everybody says, listen, I can do anything. The Bible says I can. Yes, within context, sure, if you want to go there. But it's a little more nuanced than that. Um, So anyway, we're going to talk about this and break it down. So let's just pray for a minute and then we'll get to it. Jesus, help us to understand this, help it to make sense, and help us to just leave knowing that you've spoken to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so here's what Paul says here. He just basically says, thanks for caring. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Thanks for caring for me. Um, and just please know that I know you couldn't do that thing that one time that you wanted to do, but it's okay because I've never been in need. He says, I've learned the secrets. Okay, he's like Yoda, Mr. Miyagi, right? Um, Master Shifu, Ugwe, right? We can keep on going. Like you list, uh, he's, right, he's all of the, he's the Jedi master. He's all of those things. Gandalf, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other wizards here. We get, like other smart people, right? We said Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda's not smart. No. He's weird. Baby Yoda is weird. For all of you people, that's weird. I don't understand. Why does he eat everything? I don't get it. All right. So he's learned the secret of contentment. The secret of contentment. You can hear, ooh. It's like mystical, right? Ooh. The secret of contentment. Contentment's a mystery. It's an absolute mystery. Um, uh, It's not, I just always like to define these three words. First, contradiction. A contradiction is when two uh, statements, two realities collide and they cannot coexist, right? It's a contradiction. You can't have this and this. It contradicts. They oppose. They fight each other. And there's no realm in any universe where that can work together. It's a contradiction. That's that. Second, you get a paradox. A paradox is where uh, this is one thing and this is one thing. And it looks like a contradiction, but the more you actually explore it, the more you tear it apart and, and evaluate, you understand, oh, it actually does work together. It just requires further exploration, further understanding. It's a paradox. It shouldn't be, but it is. And, but you understand that it, it works. It's just paradoxical. Okay. Then you get to the mystery. A mystery is nobody understands how or why, but it is. Contentment is one of those things. It's a reality, but nobody understands how or why. In its lowest form, contentment is dictated by our circumstances. Right? You're totally content as long as things are going your way. Anybody experience this kind of contentment? Like you're totally fine because it's just a good day. How are things like everything's working out for you? I'm content. You ever anybody had that experience? Like right, things are going your way. You got what you wanted. I'm content. I'm content. I'm good today. Okay, so you got that. Um, the second right something messes it up though. Right, the second something disrupts what we want, contentment's out the window. Right, it's gone. It's fragile. It's it's so fleeting. Now, in other forms, circumstances are interesting because they seem to have no bearing whatsoever uh, on our contentment, right? So there are people who have so little. If you've ever gone on a, on a, you know, out of the country, traveled to somewhere that's you know, third world, anything like that, or you've been exposed to that in any way, you go, I don't understand. These people have nothing, and yet they're more content than me. How, how it doesn't, doesn't make any sense because we're sitting there going, okay, this is a situation where their circumstances are not dictating right, their contentment. Because it would seem to us that the more we have, the higher the level of our contentment. The more stuff I have, the more content I am. But you know people that have a lot of stuff that are discontent? <laughs> we know lots of them. 
most of them, right? We live with them, right? Um, and it would seem that the better our circumstance, the higher the likelihood that we're content. And you sit there and go, I don't understand how that person's not content. They have everything. They've got people who love them, and they've got, you know, stability, and they've got, you know, they don't understand how, you know, they don't have to fight, you know, cholesterol, and they, if they only knew that this and that, and you've got all these kind of things, right? I know Lou doesn't have any cholesterol. He's got, he's, got, he's low on cholesterol, so he can eat everything he wants, <laughs> right? You, there, it's so easy to say, like, we, intuitively, we'd say the better the circumstance, the more you have, the higher the likelihood of contentment should it be, but it doesn't always work that way. And it would seem the things that we're told would result in contentment, the things that we chase that say, if you get this, you'll be content, right? If all you do is just, listen, you just need to drink, right, Michelob Light, and you'll be content, right? That's what the commercial says, right? That's if you just drive a Buick. I mean, it's not a Buick. That's not your father's Buick, right? You just write, you'll be content. Right? Nobody believes the Buick commercials. I don't know if anybody Buick drivers, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, Eric likes the Buick. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't. I don't. It still looks like a Buick. Um, but they say it's, it's a mystery. I can't figure it out. West thing, we can't figure out contentment. Paul says he's figured it out, but you're sitting there going, I don't understand. Because people that should be content aren't. People that shouldn't be content are. It's a mystery. And Paul says he's figured it out. He says, listen, I can live on just about anything. Um, it's not hard to live with plenty. It's hard to live with a little. It's not hard to live on a full stomach. But it's hard to live on an empty one. It's not hard to live when you have everything. But it is hard to live when you have nothing. So really what, what Paul is saying here is that in the hard times and the lean times and the scarce times, those things don't rob me of my contentment. That's what he's saying. He said, I've learned to live on nothing. I've learned to live hungry. I've learned to live you know, an outcast. I've learned to live alone. I've learned to live in all those ways and be content. And, and you're sitting there going, okay, that's different. Right? He said, literally means, contentment, that word literally means I need nothing more. I'm all sufficient. I have what I need to consider myself taken care of. And here's the thing about contentment that we can all probably just come to this conclusion. Contentment is a, it's a state of mind. It's not a physical reality because it seems completely separated from the physical realities. It's not that more makes you content. Contentment is a state of being. It's a choice. It's a mental decision. It's about soul satisfaction. And Paul is saying, and I got there. I got to the place where I figured out the secret. And here's the thing. He's not taking credit. He's not saying, look at me. He's not saying I'm special. He gives all the credit to Jesus. He says, the only way I can do this, the only way I can get to a place where I have that kind of mentality, where I can be okay with nothing, where I can be okay with circumstances not going my way, where I can go okay with the world around me being a mess, and I'm just like, the only way is through Jesus. Now, we also have to note what he's not saying. I think this is really important for church people, for Christians, for people who, who, who consider themselves people of faith. This is really important. It's a huge distinction. What he's saying here is that although he is content in every situation, he is not saying he is content with everything. Okay. He's not saying he's okay with how the world is. He's not saying he's okay with all this stuff. We can go back a few verses, just to verse 2 of this chapter, and he says this, Now I appeal to you, yep, Udia, and anybody looking for kids' names or dog names? Syntic? Yep, maybe. Syntici? I don't know. Go ahead. You decide, you decide however you want to say that. He says, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. 
Next verse, he says, and I ask you, my true partner, he's talking to somebody else here, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. And he says this, they worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. He says, listen, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. We've heard this, right? Rejoice in the Lord, whatever happens. He repeats, brings it back here. Always be full of joy in the Lord, whatever, right? I say it again, rejoice. And it finishes with this, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So here's what he, he is not content with these two ladies fighting. He is not content with brokenness around him. Right? He is not content with the world seeing us holding grudges. There are all sorts of things. You can read through the writings of Paul. There's a lot of things he's not content with. There's a lot of things he's like, that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong. Right? This is what he's saying. What this means for the people in, in Philippi, this is what he's saying to them, and here's what he's saying to us. And this is the message that I, that I hope you hear. This is the one thing. If you hear one thing, it's this right here. He's saying this. You can be personally content and communally discontent. You can be personally content and communally discontent. When he's saying, I'm content with all things, he's not just saying, I'm good with everything. Because so many people take that as a license to stick their head in the sand and say, God's good, it's all good, doesn't matter to me, God says I I should just be content with everything, so I'm content with the brokenness in the world around me. And he's saying, no. It's one thing to be personally content, but it's something completely different to be content with the brokenness around you. We will never be corporately or communally content in this life. We should never be and will never be content in this world with what we see around us. Do you look around the world and be like, I'm good with this. I'm good with this. I look around the world and I'm like, get me out of here. Gosh, this is is terrible. Martin Luther King Jr. called it a divine dissatisfaction. Someone else called it a holy discontent. There's this something inside us that looks at the world as it is and goes, this is not right. And that is separate and distinct from personal contentment. A God-given dissatisfaction with the way things are when contrasted with how they ought to be according to God's standard. That's what we feel. We sit there and go, this isn't right. It's not the way it's supposed to be. That was good. That was like perfect timing. It's impossible to be a Christian. This is a book I'm reading right now, Erwin Ince. He says this, it's impossible to be a Christian and not have a divine dissatisfaction with particular ways in which the reality of sin impacts us, our neighbors, our institutions, and our world. It's impossible to be a follower of Jesus and not be dissatisfied with what we see around us. We should be discontent with the brokenness we see around us. And the only way we'll have strength to affect any change in the brokenness around us is if we learn to be personally content. See, here's the thing. We're in a broken world that we're not supposed to be content with, and the only way that we can come to this broken world and bring any change is if personally we're content. Because if we're not personally content, if I'm not okay with what I have in me, then every effort is always going to be colored by me. It's always going to be influenced by what's best for me. Because I'm not satisfied yet. I don't have enough yet. And so I'm constantly going to be in the pursuit of every single time I make a decision, filtering it through the lens of what's best for me. If I am personally discontent, everything is influenced by that. That's why contentment is a secret and a mystery, and it's worth, it's worth pursuing. It's hard to do. It's uncommon in our world. 
and it's very different than what we see around us. We are immersed in a culture consumed with self-contentment at the cost of our communal contentment. We're consumed with, how is this going to affect me? Is that not the number one question on everyone's mind? How will this affect me? That's, that's operating from a place of personal discontent. So how can we ever transition and change from that mindset, which is all around us, which is maybe all we know, it's just, it's so strong, and there's just this survival instinct in us to always look out for us, to always filter everything through that, because I don't know how many of you feel like you got what you need, like you could always use a little bit more. I could be good with a few more cannolis, right? Like I would be okay with, a, with just a little bit faster car. I'd be okay with, right, just a little bit more here and a little bit more there. Like you just want to throw a vacation house and I'll take it. I will take it. Right? I could there's no end that that hunger for personal content. There's no end to that appetite. But here's the great news here. As impossible as it seems to transition from that to I have learned the secret and the mystery. We are all right <laughs> masters. How do we get there? Here's what he says. He says as impossible as it may seem I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse is specifically addressing the idea of personal contentment. That's what he's talking about. That's the context of that phrase, of that verse. The I can do all things. He's saying the most impossible thing is to be personally content in much or little. Right? When It's, it's almost impossible to do, but when we acquire this knowledge, this secret, See, the secret to being personally content is this, just knowing where your strength comes from. Knowing where your strengths come from. See, when I remember that God has unconditional love for me, I am given the strength to love in every situation. When I, when I remember that God's given eternal promises to me, like God's got me, he's made promises about where I'm going about my, listen, my retirement plan is out of this world. Pun intended, all right, yep. When I understand God's promises to me, I'm given the strength to be joyful no matter what my present circumstances and situations are. When, when I understand God's sovereignty over this world, I am given the strength to live peacefully in every situation. When I understand God's extravagant patience with me, I'm given the strength to live patient in any and every circumstance with those around me. Anybody need that one? When I understand God's never-ending kindness towards me, I'm given the strength to be kind in every situation, even those I don't feel like being kind. May I do not do not feel like being kind, but when I remember that... I. I can do all things I can, because I can operate from a place of personal contentment because I remember what's been done for me. Right? When I remember God's abundant goodness, that every good thing in my life comes from Him, I'm given the strength to do what's good in every situation because my goodness is taken care of. So I can be good, do good, give good without regard for what it's cost me because I know personally I'm taken care of. Right? I, when I understand God's being gentle with me, I'm given the strength to be gentle to others in every situation. Because there are a lot of situations where I don't want to be gentle. I just want to go Jersey. 
And for those who don't live in Jersey, you now know what Jersey is because you've lived here long enough and you understand what that means. Jersey people are not nice. Call it like it is, right? And we're rude and we're disrespectful, and that's what Jersey girls are all about. Not true? Uh, it's not true. Oh, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. I, I lived here my whole life. I, listen, they're, they're not all Jersey girls. There are some very nice Jersey girls, but they still have attitude. Still there. See, when I understand that God has been steadfast and faithful to me, I'm just going to keep moving. I'm going to get in trouble. When I understand that God has never abandoned me, even when I deserve to be left behind, I'm given the strength to be faithful to others, even when maybe I don't know that they deserve it. When, when I understand God's supreme measure of self-control with me, because I would have squished me by now. Anybody else? Like, you, if you were God, you would have just been like, to you, right? But that's it. When I understand that, I'm given the strength to be self-controlled in every circumstance because God is self-controlled with me. See, those are the fruit of the Spirit. And all of those things, I can be all those things and do all those things when I'm operating from a place of personal contentment because I know what God has done for me. And the reason I don't grow in those things, the reason I struggle in those areas is because I have yet or to, to realize fully what God is doing in my life. And I'm not operating at a place of personal contentment, and so I'm still trying to get mine. And as long as I'm trying to get mine, and I don't care about yours. Paul says, I've learned the secret, and it's, it's through Christ. And if I understand what Christ has done for me, guess what? i figured this out, and I can be okay no matter what's happening to me. He's not saying I can be okay with the world. He's saying I can be okay with me. And I think that's a challenge for all of us. Because I don't know how many of us actually would sit here at and, and, and as you're listening and you would say, I am personally content fully and I'm operating from a place of wholeness and I'm never trying to look out for my own interest because I fully feel taken care of. I think we operate from a deficit all the time. And we're always trying to try to care for ourselves first. And we've got to learn this secret and push and, and, and really work hard to understand how good God is to us because it releases us to be the people who are deserving of weville who live differently. As you go about your day in this coming week, I promise you, there are going to be situations and circumstances and people that threaten your contentment. Right? There's just going to be, like, you're going to go on social media and it's going to threaten your contentment. I heard a great description today. I think, I'm like, should I not share it? I should not share it. It was really funny. Craig, you'll, you'll get this because I think it's your chiropractor. But he said this. He says, he knows what I'm saying. He says, reading Facebook, it's like looking in the toilet before you flush. <laughs> it's exactly what it's become. I'm telling you, it's, you're going to have all of these things that just seek to threaten your contentedness. You're going to see it, and it's going to, ah, right? You're going to get to work. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody, you're going to get a phone call. You're going to get an email, and it's just going to, mm, there it goes, contentment. Right? And you're going to operate from this, oh, that's not fair, that's not right, they didn't do this, they didn't do that. And you're going to have all of this stuff just seek to get you off your game. And you're not going to be okay. You're going to be hurt, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be angry, you're going to be disappointed, you're going to be annoyed, you're going to be confused, you're going to be scared, you're going to be anxious, you're going to be sad. You're going to have all of these emotions going on, jumbled up inside you, threatening your contentment. And in those moments, here's one thing I'm going to challenge you to do. Just one thing, okay? If, if that's the reality, right, that you that you can be personally content and not 
communally content, right? If that's it, here's the one thing you need to do. In those moments where you feel your contentedness is getting threatened, where you feel like, oh, I'm going to lose it, I'm going to lose it, I'm going to... In those moments, distinguish between your personal contentment and community contentment. Ask yourself, am I more upset about what is happening to me or what is happening to us? Ask yourself that one question. Am I more upset about what is happening to me or about what is happening to us? That's the question. That's how we distinguish between am I being personally discontent or is this okay because I'm being communally discontent? One is is absolutely fine. We're supposed to be. We're supposed to be communally discontent and personally content. So if you recognize that your personal contentedness is truly what's being threatened in those moments. It's going to say, just freeze. Freeze. Freeze, right? And replace, what about me? That what about me question with, God, what have you done for me? God, what have you done for me? In those moments where you recognize that this is just about me, this is, this is the me monster coming out, right? This is that, that ugly thing coming out, just caring about myself. It's my personal contentedness all over. It's not about anybody else. It's just about me. In those moments, just stop Freeze and say, okay, not what about me. God, remind me what you've done for me. Because if we'll allow God in those moments, just in those moments, very practically, whether you're at home, in the car, at shop right, and somebody's going the wrong way, and suppose arrows this way, and they're going that way, like wherever you are, something's threatening you. Pause and reflect. And reset yourself and remember the secret. Who gives you strength? Who gives you strength? I can do all things through God who strengthens me. When we live, again, that's a perfect time. It's always at the end of a statement. When we live in his strength in Weville, there is nothing we can't do. And there may be you sitting here going, yeah, this is a great message, but there's no way that's ever going to be a reality in my life. There's no way I can get to a place where I'm actually personally content. Right? Like that's just, it's too hard. I want to encourage you. God can do whatever it takes. God can absolutely do whatever it takes in your life. We can be the citizens who stay focused on what really matters and bring glory to God. Our differences can become, that that look like obstacles, can just be opportunities to draw us closer to each other. We can live as citizens of heaven, standing together, right? Standing on the same side together, fighting together, not against, right? We can be struggling together, not against, because we all belong together. We can have that attitude of Christ in humility, considering ourselves better than ourselves, right? Over ourselves, giving up our privilege because we now matters more than me. We can shine like bright lights because I promise you, if you start to live from a place of personal contentment, people are going to notice. It's going to look different. It's going to sound different. They're going to be like, listen, you always do what's right for everybody. How come it's you never just always, like, you know, in, in, in your place, if you're where you work, people you work with in school, everybody's always looking out for themselves. But when you operate from a place of contentment, that's different. It stands out. We sound different. And we can rejoice because we know that no matter what happens, we're good. We're taken care of. Because we've learned the secret of being content in every and all circumstances that God is our strength and through him I can do all things. Come on. We can do all things.
Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com. 